Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for clothes only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Hey everyone, it's the Man Up Podcast, Podcast 158. This is your spiritual oasis for men, where we, just regular guys, and not pastors, not clerics, just fellows who enjoy a good barbecue, football, family life, and Texas sunshine. We're coming to you from each of our homes in and around Sugarland, Texas. We're able to go out and about, and our church opened up this week, but we're still being careful to follow social distancing guidelines. We've just started a new study of the book of Daniel. If you're a completist, you can download last week's podcast where we looked at chapter one of Daniel and touched on some of the background of the book and the historical circumstances of the nation of Israel at that time. And, well, we've got our great panel back. With us is our in-house corporate trainer and theologian without portfolio, the professor, Robert Koshu. Also with us is our class deacon, health insurance broker, and Louisiana Clunas, Kyle Trahan. And we wouldn't be complete without an officer of the court, to keep us honest. He's a prosecutor, but we call him the judge, Michael Cropper. And we wouldn't be complete without a shout out to Bill Cox, our director, who is recuperating from two surgeries. And he's doing real well, but he's not online with us. We will be hearing him from we will be hearing from him through the magic of MPEG in a few minutes. But before we start, I mentioned a moment ago that our host church, Sugarland Baptist, reopened this past Sunday. This is true with churches in the Houston area, in the state of Texas, all around the country. They've been closed for weeks. Some have opened. Some are only beginning to open now. And we know it takes some adjustment. Uh, our, our deacon, deacon Kyle, uh, Kyle Trahan, was, uh, was on the scene Sunday. Uh, you were there. Kyle, how'd it go? Uh, well, you know, of course, as you would expect, it's uh, rather different looking. Uh, you know, if you've watched our sermons from pastor in, you know, what, the past three months, what I said, recent weeks, but, you know, recent months more so. Yeah. Um, he's talked about how strange it is that he loves to be able to um, go out and uh, just a second, guys. Uh, you know, be able to look out into the audience. Is that better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit anyway. Um, we got a little bit of an echo. Yeah, well, we'll shut the other light. Okay. Oh, oh right. it won't stop. Okay. Isn't that fun? Um, uh, all those turn, turn down your outside speakers. Uh, well, no, I was turning on that second laptop. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. And it's just wanting to be fun and play. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, we, I, I was talking with one of our, our folks, Larry Post. Of course, if you go to our church, you know Larry. Um, and um, he was saying that we had about 300 folks that were signed up. As we are doing online sign up, you know, assigned seats, just like you would in a concert, just about. Uh, we had about 300 people sign up, which is uh, a little under 25%, uh, even for our church. And then we had 197 by his estimate. So we were really light. Um, but I, I tell you what, it was so nice to actually see people that you know and be seen. Uh, we had, of course, the physical distancing stuff. They have these, you know, painters tape stuff on the back of the pews and there's a program at every seat that's assigned. And, uh, I, I was an usher. So you'd walk in and say, well, I'm in section C and aisle, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'd help you find a chair. Um, uh, other than that, you know, it, it was a regular service. Uh, most folks in our church did wear masks the entire time. 
uh, even sitting, you know, with just, you know, if it was Steve and his wife or Robert and, or Mike and, and Patricia or, you know, whatever, you're sitting together, but most people still wore a mask there. Um, I did not. I'm the rebel of the world. Um, but I, I did when I was helping people. But when I'm sitting by myself, I'm sorry, I'm just not. Um, I have a beard. It's scratchy. It's itchy. It's hot. No, thanks. Um, most of the panel has that same thing. They understand. Um, yeah, it's just with everywhere that we go right now, there's directional arrows on the floor because apparently we never knew how to flow in a direction or a pattern before. And, um, we, we have that. It confused a lot of people because there's like three where I was working, there's three arrows coming, pointing you out of the sanctuary. Well, that was for your egress. That's when you're leaving. But everybody's walking up to the door and going, can I go in that way? And, you know, so it's just really weird. And we're all ready to be able to flow in a erratic pattern, I guess, instead of this way, that way, up the aisle, down the aisle. What if you're going down the thingy and you're supposed to go left or right? Uh, it's all confusing. Um, and church was much the same way. Uh, but Pastor did, uh, Steve, you said just before we started, he, he spoke on a very relevant, uh, you know, passage of, of how it's all different and everything. And I'm not going to get into that because we got Daniel to get into. But uh, I oh. just think as long as people want to stay safe and they are staying within boundaries they're watching what they're doing they're sanitizing as they should and all i i look forward to seeing them again each and every week um but if they're not ready i, I know pastor said this too stay home don't don't come back until you're ready we love you we want to see you so come back when you're ready and not before right no pressure no really no no pressure no expectation. amen there yeah so and so we're we're going to. Hey, Steve, I'm I'm going to add to that because the one thing I I watched. So if any of our listeners are worried about, well, what about making it in time for Sunday school? It was a what's the word I'm looking for, Kyle? It wasn't abbreviated, but it was somewhat shortened as so far as the, the service, service goes. Yeah, because it was uh, done in time. Uh, Actually, it was. It was. It was for people. I was talking with Jeff Moran, and he had said that uh, it was going to be a short uh, because my wife didn't come, but we we met after and went to lunch and stuff with some other family. Uh, but it was folks like yourself, Robert, that need to leave the church and get home in time for your Zoom. Yeah, um, for, and for so our that's, virtual that's Bible exactly study. why they they did the shortened version because there's with with us doing our Sunday schools a lot of us via Zoom or or whatever platform uh, they they wanted to cut it short for you guys to be able to get back if you chose to come into the sanctuary. Okay, we're going we're going to turn to our lesson. We're going to turn to Daniel. We're in chapter two, verses one through thirty. Uh, usually we go around, but uh, we'll, we'll go right into the text because we've got a little long text and I want to get that kind of done and, and then we'll, we'll talk about the, the lesson itself. Uh, we have the next story in Daniel's experiences in Nebuchadnezzar's court. Uh, as I said earlier, Bill is recovering from surgery. He's doing well. He misses being on the podcast, but uh, he did record tonight's meeting. So... I'm uh, going to turn it over to Bill. Daniel 2, 1 through 30. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we'll show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. 
If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that are you trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time changes. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for so no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent when Ariok made the matter known to Daniel? And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's manner. Therefore Daniel went in to Ariok, who the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, he went in and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar that will be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision in your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries may known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than any, all the living, but in order that the interpretations may be known to the king that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And that was our director, Bill Cox. So I always start things off with Robert. It's uh, 
interesting situation here. Now, well, when I was reading this, you have to kind of read it twice because uh, we don't know what the dream is. If you were listening for it and you're wondering that I missed something or, you know, you're reading it and, you know, did, did, did a piece of the scroll get torn away or something? No. Um, Nebuchadnezzar did not tell his magicians what his dream was. He was expecting them to uh, figure that out along with interpreting. But so, so Robert, what's the situation these guys are in? <laughs> what am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Robert, you're not me. I'm mute. I'm mute. <laughs> the old mute button got me again. Um, we're, we're so editing everything. <laughs> Robert, Robert, tell us just in case, just in case the people didn't hear Bill also. Can you summarize a passage that Steve is talking yeah. about right so, now? Wait, wait. Okay, uh, go ahead. So, so, um, he Nebuchadnezzar calls the wise men in and says, "Hey, I had a dream. I need you to tell me what it meant." Don't forget, today, back in that society, dreams were thought of as messages from God, and so, or the gods, as it were, and so. The, the wise men that he called in said, of course we can do that, your highness. Tell us what your dream was. And he said, no, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You just tell me what it means. And they're kind of like, oh, yeah, no one can do that. So you can't do that. So you're a fraud. You're lying to me. Um, okay, round up all the wise men. This kind of explains why they're always capturing wise men and bringing them to the court to be trained. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. literally <laughs> he says, I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> and not only kill them, but part of the punishment back then that was fairly common was and chop them into little itty-bitty pieces <laughs> as you go. Yep. Well, they come to round up Daniel and his buds and Daniel's like, wait, 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 what's he want? <laughs> Hang on. So he goes back to his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they pray, and then Daniel goes back before the king. And we'll talk about what the dream was and all that next week. But that kind of sets it up. So one interesting little text note. So does anybody remember when Daniel was brought in, how many years was he going to be trained? Three. Very good. Uh, so, my mute was on. Three. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so this occurs in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. They were rounded up in the first year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. They're probably still in training. That's why they weren't part of the group brought before. So this story's I agree. I agree. Some, somewhat out of sequence a little bit with the way when it was all edited together and put together with it. Um, so – that that's one intriguing part about it is just that, just to kind of set it all up <laughs> for us. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Hey, what do you think? Okay, I uh, just just reminder last week, folks, uh, what Robert was referring to, and, and and I was alluding to also was the first chapter of Daniel introduces us to King Nebuchadnezzar, who is who is overtaken. Israel, or the last part of Israel, the southern part, which is Judah, and brought all, uh, he besieged him, he went to war with him, he won the fight, and took a lot of the treasures of the house of God, the, the temple of the living God, back to, to Babylon to, uh, to put in the temple of his God. He also ordered that the rich and wealthy and influential families come back to, uh, to Babylon, and that they bring them back, and that they take some boys and indoctrinate them on the history, the culture of Babylon. And this happens to be the boys, that, uh, the men, men, boys, whatever adults, adolescents that Robert is talking about, the four Hebrew boys. Uh, and, and when we start chapter two of Daniel, it says, this is the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Well, by then, when you read through the text, it's very, very long, which Steve said, uh, you can read it, and you can read it a couple times and still not remember everything about it. You see that that the boys are not part of the group of wise men. Nebuchadnezzar has these terrible dreams uh, beginning of the second year, and somewhere he has a horrible dream, a tremendous dream that stays in his mind. And he wants his wise men to tell him, number one, what the dream is, and number two, 
what the interpretation of the dream is. And he's not going to help them out one bit. And, and it gets very interesting because uh, in the text, he tells them, I'm going to kill you. Don't tell me because I think you're lying. Because that's what their job was. He was paying the wise men to, uh, to bring him information from the gods, the astrology, um, oh gosh, all sorts of gods you can think of, spiritualists, mediums, magicians. He was paying them on his staff, more than likely, to give him the information he, want, he needed to know as, as king, and they could not do it. And not only could they not do it, but they said, oh, we can't tell your dream. We can't tell you what it means. Only gods can do it. And of course, this, this slapped him in the face because he says, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to talk with the gods. And they said, they didn't say we can't communicate with them. What they said was a god needs to come down here to tell you what the answer is. And what they're doing there, again, they're slapping themselves in the face. They're saying, not only... Can we not tell you what the interpretation is? We don't communicate with the gods, and they're going to have to come down here and tell you themselves, and they just don't do that. And and never and uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets really angry because Robert, this this must be one of those uncomfortable board meetings you often have to talk about. <laughs> yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. I've I've had a few of those <laughs> in my time. <laughs> no, it, it gets really complicated because, and, and what's really fascinating about this, I, I'm looking for my comments about it, but Daniel backs up or he slams all of them in this. He says, he says, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, give me time. He says, I'll tell you the interpretation of the dream. And then he says, he goes back to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, first of all, he says, you're right. You're magicians. You're soothsayers. Uh, you're astrologers. All these people cannot tell your dream. Neither can they interpret it for you. And he says, and, and no God, in most cases, can do the same thing. But he says, there is a God in heaven, which will reveal this mystery to you. And he will communicate with me, and I will communicate with you. So all three of the things that the, the astrologers and the wise men said that, that they cannot do, they cannot communicate with their gods. Daniel says, I can communicate with my God because he wants to. He chooses to communicate with me. And it's for your benefit, O king, not for my benefit. So he slams them on all three points that they make, which is, which is I know, I went to the end of the story fascinating it's fun but I, I think that was so so overwhelming what he did when he uh, when he went back to the king and spoke about the dream all right guys the the attorney is never long-winded <laughs> <Never. laughs> um, you know he the the wise men guys the shabins um Sorcerers, yeah. You know, all of these guys, you know, they. All right, so in previous times, right? And step back a minute. These guys have interpreted dreams for the king before. It was stated into the text, right? So before the king says, you know, look, I woke up this morning. I'm running around the neighborhood in my robe. And there's this bird on a tree. And he gives them this whatever-the-heck story, right? Rarely do I remember my dreams, but sometimes we all wake up, and it's this vivid thing that you can recount all of these crazy details from the moment you wake up, right? And so I imagine this has happened plenty of times in the past. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls his guys in this time, and this thing has him staying awake, so he has seen something in his dream that's scared the caca out of him. You know, it has him on edge. It has him nervous. It has him stressed, whatever. That thing that keeps him awake at night. And he's had enough of it. So he calls these guys back in. Well, they're his yes men. Sure, well, you know that bird from the last dream? Well, that meant that you're going to, 
whatever, and they interpret whatever they want to. What's, he has no way to refute what they're telling him. Actually, he, they tell him what they think he wants to hear. Well, it, amen. <laughs> amen. Thank you. A friend of mine calls it, calls it having the bobbleheads in the meeting. Yes. I, I wrote down <laughs> the yes men. Yep. Come in and, and most of the time, that's great, right? That's what he wants. Except that time he doesn't want that, right, right, Kyle? A hundred percent. He's the king. He, he, most of these guys thought of themselves as a god, you know. So, yeah, come in and tell me what I want to hear. And he wants to hear that the bird meant that he was going to have fowl for dinner. Okay? So, when he got so fed up, whatever got him on edge in this instance... He wanted to try and see what they really had in him. You know, maybe he was tired of the yes men. You know, let's see what else you got. Because this one doesn't mean I'm getting chicken for dinner. Okay? So he was really looking for them to come out of the box on this, which, again, is just a crazy thought. What am I thinking? Well, that's, that's interesting because I think that's the, the, the nub of what's going on, on here is when you're up against some, something that nobody else can help you with. I mean, that, that you know, there are more questions. You're not going to get the answer on Google. Uh, <laughs> but even... even oh, darn. There's not a YouTube video about it? Or even that YouTube, like everything. Um, yeah, it's not there. I was like... <laughs> Um, but, you know, you think of, of what we all try, um, I mean, we, we, you know, make, uh, your basic how-to thing, I have to fix a sink, uh, I can get that on YouTube or, or Google, but uh, for other, for deeper reasons, we turn to uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, pastors even, uh, and your pastor can't always answer everything, it can be terribly frustrating in that and of course outside the you know outside christianity you have people who will go to astrologers or spiritualists do a fine business out there um or they turn to other religions or practices looking for some kind of answer that is they can't get um and uh into this situation comes daniel uh we'll talk about that in just a moment you are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. We're back. This is the Man Up podcast. We're looking at the book of Daniel. We're in chapter 2, verses 1 through 30. Uh, Daniel has... Well, he has volunteered. This is interesting. He he hasn't just uh, been asked, though the call has gone out to wise men throughout Babylon, uh, kind of interpret my dream or die. And uh, Daniel goes up to, to Nebuchadnezzar and goes to the court and says, he asked for time. Yes, give me a little bit of time. Uh, but he's, he doesn't he doesn't run away from this. Uh, and that's another, again, another avenue, another aspect of Daniel we saw last week is, is a, his ability as a diplomat, his ability to, um, and comfort to talk to power uh, and not be intimidated, yet stand up for himself. And, and this is kind of what I, little what I want to talk about, this, this almost, um, this very courageous uh, first in advance going to Nebuchadnezzar, then he prays. It's, that's what I find interesting. He does, not, he does not get his friends together, let's pray and figure out what to do. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar 
and says, I can get this interpretation for you. Give, give me a little bit of time. And whether Nebuchadnezzar is, is as desperate, he said, okay, I'll, I'll wait. So he's not only pleading for his life, Daniel is, uh, he's pleading for the lives of all the wise men and Chaldeans uh, and his friends. And, and it's interesting what they do here because there is a, Bill read it on tape, there is a rather long prayer that's included and it's a prayer for wisdom. I, I, what I find interesting about it is that it's not, it, he doesn't say to God, interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Tell me what it is. It's this general prayer for wisdom that acknowledges God as, as a God who knows hidden things. It's right there in the, in the prayer. Before we go to the back, before we go to that, let, let's back up a bit because I think there's some interesting men lessons here when we're talking about when we're talking about this. First of all, when confronted with a problem at work, <laughs> you know, you know, and and I would say this is worse than any problem at work we've ever esconded because generally at work the the boss's lieutenant doesn't show up and say. I've been sent here to kill you and all your buddies <laughs> and or, chop you into little or fire you, fire you. So, you know, so the first thing he does though is, is he stops and says, wait a minute. And he, he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and asks for time to try and solve the problem. Then as Steve talked about, he goes back to, Hananiah, Asheriah, and I always get it. Mishael. It, it always it always takes me a moment on all three of them. Um, and he goes back to see them, and they that's when they pray. And so here's a couple of man lessons, and I think we can talk about this for a little bit. Number one, asking for time when there's a problem, because and, and notice he doesn't get all defensive right away. And and I think that's something we all fall into, you know, when something goes wrong. Oh, not me. I had nothing to do with it. Wasn't nothing to me. It's that guy over there. He did all the problem. He did everything imaginable. You know, Daniel says, okay, and he lumps everybody into it, which I think is a great team building piece. You know, they're all included in this problem. And he says, instead of jumping and starting pointing fingers and, well, those guys couldn't interpret the dream. I can interpret the dream. So he doesn't promise something he knows he can't deliver. All he does is negotiate out time. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Is that useful as we're looking at I, Boy, I do that all the time at work. If, if they ask me a particular lord or what something means, I very often say uh, I will go look and I will tell you if I, uh, whenever I have an answer for you. So that that's absolutely a great negotiating point uh, because you can't know everything, right? And as a man, sometimes you have to tell your family or sometimes you have to tell your kids or they want to do something right away and you say, no, let me think about it or let me work it out. Whatever the case is, uh, I, I, I think that's absolutely a first place to start. If you don't know an answer immediately, uh, you say, let me consider this. Let me think this out. Uh, maybe talk with your mom. If you have young children, let me talk with your mom and let's see if we can work this thing out that you want to do. I, think I, I do that often myself, you know, in my business. Uh, most of what I do is consulting. Yeah. You know, so I, I help people analyze their situation and figure out the solution that fits their needs. Um, and there's so much available out there that, you know, it, it does take a minute to come up with what seems the most logical for me to offer or suggest or whatever, or, you know, let me go do my research. You give me a list of a bunch of doctors. Well, I need to go find out what networks they work with so that we can make that. So often you have to defer back to going and getting knowledge or, pondering the scenario to uh, get the wisdom that you need to make that decision. 
Daniel did it in the most admirable way too. He went to the to the king, as you said, Robert, and he asked him. He was very first. First of all, he approached when they before he went before the king. The king sent his guard and Arioch, the the captain of his guard, to round up all the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, and take them and kill them. And Daniel very softly spoke to him and said, "What is this all about?" Can you explain this a little more? And uh, Arioch responded, uh, and I guess courteously from what we see the scriptures and what the text says. And then he went to the king and did the same thing, as you said, Robert. He he talked to him in a uh, reasonable way, in a, a very considerate and polite way. Uh, king, if you'll give me an opportunity, uh, I believe we can solve the answer. We, we will... Uh, uh, see if we can find out what you're asking. So, yes, I, and also, so negotiating more time also goes hand in hand with how you present your request or how you present a yeah, request for more time. And that's be polite, be uh, be meek, especially if somebody's out for your, uh, uh, to, to, take, to take something from you. It's very important that you act in a godly manner in a, a very, very polite way. He also rephrased, in a way, he certainly implied, he rephrased what the king wanted. And the king wanted that dream interpreted. Uh, and it wasn't going to get interpreted if he killed all the wise men. And so he went in and That's true. refocused Nebuchadnezzar on the on the gold, which which again is another way to manage your manager. Uh, oh, it is. is Absolutely. Is, 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 you know, oh, or suddenly the deadline becomes more important than the project, or the meeting to talk about the project becomes more important about the project. And sometimes you got to say, this is you know, our goal. Our goal isn't to to worry about you know what you know whether we're a day late. Our goal is to make sure the whatever we're designing works and in a way i think that's what happened here and and he went to the you know we we don't know everybody around you know it's it's kind of a situation where daniel keeps his head when all about are losing theirs this you know here come the, here comes the king guard they're they're quite literally going to be executing people and daniel just rather than join the general panic says hey wait a minute and I think, but I think going back to it, he's able to refocus Nebuchadnezzar. And again, this is his, I guess this is part of his story. He is, he is one of those great um, servants who's able to manage his manager well, without, you know, ethically as well. So Daniel was now in government, right? At least he's he's obviously a counselor of the king or a counselor in training. If okay. we if we put this in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, so he's obviously not at obviously since he's not at the beginning, he's not at the head table. Um, but he's he's I think he's well known enough now, certainly that he gets an audience, and certainly that he's on apparently the list. Yeah, for better or worse. Did get in, didn't he? <laughs> Okay. Hmm. I, I think something fascinating about this. Uh, the author presents to a, uh, some questions about serious dreams that we see in the Bible. I don't know if you guys know, but do you all know how many serious dreams that the Bible presents? Uh, how many? How many there are that that it refers to? Uh, where no, somebody? Oh, what's that count, Mike? Twenty-one. Okay, yeah. but. But now Joseph's yeah. story, the, yeah, yeah. three or four here, I know of two or three off the top of my head in the New Testament. The, the, the author counted. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the author of our study book, which, I, is, I, which is, I throw in, Connect 360, Faith Under Fire, published by Baptist yes. Way Press. Yes, uh, you're right. A, a collection well, of authors' yeah, work I, on that, but yes, 21. I, I, this I, is I, audio. They can't see the book, by the I way. I know. <laughs> I waited it because I can see myself. Well, well no, I mean, the, re the reason I'm going to that, there's a little bit of a humorous side to it if you think about all the dreams you've had. I mean, I probably had 21 or 30 in one year. 
How many have I had that terrified me? Probably five. Four. I, I don't think I went to anybody to ask their their interpretation of it. But but uh, uh, the author also addresses that with a rather humorous uh, introduction about him having uh, three dreams in a row when he was auditioning for the part of the Wizard of Oz. If you all see his introduction there, and he says, uh, I was I was uh, auditioning for it, and I practiced the scripts. He says, I was in college. I hadn't really done it before, so he was scared. He was terrified of getting up in front of people or judges to try out for the part. And then he studied, and he said, for three nights in a row, I had this horrible dream that I was the scarecrow in the in the Wizard of Oz. And I, I am going somewhere with this guy, so I know you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, he says, I was terrified, so I shared this with a friend of mine. And the friend told him told him something that scared him even worse. Uh, the friend says, you're probably going to get up there. That dream is telling you that, that you're going to get up there and you're going to blow the song. You're going to crash. And everybody's going to laugh at you. Okay? So he says, well, he says, that made me even more scared. So when I got up to audition, he says, I didn't crack my voice. I sang the wrong song. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is, is there are times in my in my life I can remember times when I was afraid and, and there were dreams that came out following whatever event I was afraid of or because I had a certain uh, a trial the next day that I thought was very important or something. And you have uh, dreams that are consistent with that and some of them are not consistent with that. They may pick a uh, uh, another instance that comes into your mind that you could link with the uh, the dreams. But uh, the, what I'm getting here is, is as a man, and it's a little bit set apart from the, uh, from the uh, lesson we have here. And that's, that's don't let people terrify you. Don't let people scare you. If you have things that are bothering you or stress you out as a man in your work in whatever you're doing, be careful with who you share those subjects with whether it's a dream or whether it's it's uh, an issue you have with people at work be careful because if, if they if the person you talk to makes you more afraid or more terrified than you were when you started sharing whatever's on your mind or event then you need to not share it with them in other words share it with the lord i guess a better way to do that would be share it with the lord but but oh, yeah, be careful who you share mm -hmm. your things with. Uh, in, in this case, Nebuchadnezzar did the right thing. Well, go ahead, go ahead. You know, having the trusted advisor, you know, in our world, in his, obviously he just sought the counsel of whoever. You know, this this group of people that threw rocks and bones on the tables or whatever they did. Um, he didn't seem to have that trusted advisor. Um, you know, I, I do think we should seek counsel when things are really eating at us, you know, um, and sometimes when they're not eating at you, when they're just, you know, mildly there, you know, um, I agree with, with our, our authors thing, you know, in the beginning, um, some of that is, you know, stage nerves, um, I've actually been in acting when I was a kid. I was in the Wizard of Oz. Um, I've been on that stage and, you know, you practice your song, you are ready to go and you, the piano starts to play and you like forget your lines. You know this song forward and back and you, oh, can I start again? And they're generous. We're, you know, like fifth grade, sixth grade kids, you know, so they're, they're, pretty lenient with this, but uh, a lot of it is that the, those nerves and the fear, especially in that scenario, a lot of people have the fear of public speaking. So lion, scarecrow? I know. Dorothy? Or... You're, you're all wondering. What <laughs> oh, no. <it> Munchkin? <laughs> <laughs> the doorman. The doorman <laughs> at Oz. <laughs> uh... Uh, I wore the fun little green suit that my mom made, and I was actually the wizard. Oh, ah, the Oz! 
The great yeah. conferral. Hey, Kyle, let's come, come back to something you said that's really, really good. You should, hey, all right. Yeah, you should confer with people. And you have trusted friends that you will confer with and you will share with. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar thought these magicians and these sorcerers and all these people as wise men were something who he could trust. They turned out to not be someone he could trust. You will later find out as we look further in Daniel, as, as I think Robert expressed, <coughs> pardon me, we will see more interpretations from Daniel and the men, and they become very, very trusted advisors for the king. But yes, you, you, you do be careful who you pick to share with. But uh, yeah. Well, you know, you can run down to your local psychic reader, and I'm sure they'll be happy to take your buck and tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, Which it's, is what these guys basically were back then. That's right. So our day and age is called a psychic reader. Well, we, we got two. We got two. Kind of two sides of this. We got Nebuchadnezzar and his need for real, true advice and and counsel, uh, and we've got Daniel who's looking, who's going to provide it. And uh, Daniel, we see Daniel in this situation. Um, one of the things that I'd like to bring up is the importance of prayer partners because he goes, he certainly volunteers to provide the interpretation, then goes back and explains the situation to his three friends. And again, they, they, um, they don't pray for Daniel to make a good interpretation uh, or deliver they pray for wisdom and they do it together. And I think that's kind of the other side of the coin that we're kind of talking first from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view, but seeking a prayer partner. And again, we, we've talked about this before. Prayer sometimes gets a short trip, but we see it work really well here. It, God delivers and they, they uh, if, we don't know how long they prayed. There's kind of an A and B section to the prayer where they're first, they're petitioning and then Right away, it breaks, and it seems they're they're offering gratitude because their prayer has been answered. They 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 seem to have gotten this uh, revelation, or at least Daniel has uh, about the dream, because he is thanking God for that revelation. Um, and and I think what's what's interesting to know is here, and interesting to note, and something dealing very specifically with prayer is these guys did not go and treat this like. God was Santa Claus. God, we need to know the interpretation of the dream. God, reveal it to us, you know, and all of that. What did they do? They praised God for who he was. They admitted he was the one who was going to, that knew everything. He rose seasons. He brought kings to power. They did all of that. They really didn't come and hit, you know, with the Santa Claus wish list. They really actually praised God. And then it seems like God like you said, Steve, was an A, B part of the prayer, but it seems like God just revealed it to him without them even asking for it. And I, I think that's hugely important to pay attention to, is having those trusted counselors around you, and then, but also when you do go to God, is understanding that God's not there just to give you a bunch of quick answers that you want to hear. Yeah. And hey, Robert, how did God, how did how did He reveal it to Daniel? By the way, we really don't know. <laughs> it says, well, it says a vision. A vision. Says, okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not being. Oh, you read ahead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. It says, it says it in our text here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It says it. Uh, what it says, God revealed it to him in a vision, which means he got the same thing that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to get an interpretation for God did not necessarily speak to him word for word. He actually, he actually, uh, it says in verse uh, 18, uh, 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. So God didn't just talk to him like, like we're able to talk with each other right now. He actually, uh, it sounds like he revealed to him in a dream. In a dream. That's what yeah. I think. Very, very interesting. Just, so something that I thought of, you know, hey, Nebuchadnezzar uh, offered a reward. Does Daniel get any of that? I don't know. We have. Have you looked ahead in the next chapter? Uh, no. <laughs> well, he does get a. He, well, 
I know he has some ups and downs experiences with with the Babylonian royalty. Uh, he does he does gain the trust. And I, I, and again, it's we also we also get a couple of things going on here because the the Israelite people, the nation of Israel, is in exile because they uh, they broke the covenant. That's well, from the yeah. theological perspective. This is this is a, a punishment from God. This the seventy year exile, and at the same time, um, God is the God of the Israelites is revealing Himself to be the God of everybody else. Um, in these passages, He's called both the God of Heaven, um, which puts a certain you know, makes him the God of everything. Um, but he is also the God of our fathers. That's how um, Daniel addresses him, the, the classic God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of, God of Jacob. And uh, so what, what I guess I'm getting at is, is not, did, not only did God send the, uh, not only did the Babylonians maybe take the nation of Israel into captivity, they took God with them, <laughs> and mm -hmm. and interestingly enough, God is going to exert that influence. You, uh, yeah, I had a whole paragraph on that, Steve. You're absolutely correct. Oh, well, it's, go right in. It's very interesting because Nebuchadnezzar must feel pretty good about himself. Okay, he has conquered the remnant of the nation of Israel, um, and Israel is and, and no question that they knew about Israel being God's chosen people. At least Israel made it known to everybody that they were God's chosen people. And and King Nebuchadnezzar, his father, Nabopolazar, whatever, uh, Nabopolazar, yeah, sent, <laughs> sent the messengers to King Hezekiah way back when, when Hezekiah showed all his wealth to them. So, uh, Babylon knew of their wealth, knew of uh, everything about them, and no question, King Hezekiah said, "You know, our God is is the God of everything, God of heaven and earth, and we are His chosen people." Well, so they conquer Israel, and so he must feel pretty good about himself. Says, "Well, this God of Israel, they're His chosen people, and yet we conquered them. So He's defeated the God of Israel." He has no idea, like you're, like you're inferring, Steve, he has no idea that God orchestrated all of this. You made that comment. That it's great. Nebuchadnezzar didn't defeat Israel because of their power and strength. God arranged it, and he did it because of their sin. Uh, and through the next coming lessons, we just got he got introduced to it tonight very slightly. When Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says, there is a God in heaven that can interpret your dream and can reveal it to men, and he can reveal it through me to you and give you the answer. So he's getting just a taste of what you said, Steve, that, that in fact, he's not in control. The God of Israel is in control. We're winding down. Uh, any thoughts, uh, Robert, since you're unmuted? <laughs> Geneva's <laughs> <laughs> got all of us tonight, mm -hmm. and 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 so if anybody's been in corporate America forever, you know that there's this evil thing in email called Reply All. Mute is the new Reply All in corporate America right now, because I can't tell you how many times people have, I've heard on Zoom calls and you're on mute, you're on mute, <laughs> and then you do it. So yeah, I got three real good things here. So number one. If you're a leader, don't just surround yourself with yes men. You know, always, always, always find, and, and I'll give you a little trick, a little trick I do on projects. I will always find a really good friend of mine if I'm a project lead, and I've got a really good close friend of mine on the project, and I actually assign him to disagree with me on everything. Whether you agree with me or not, disagree with me. And he's like, why? Because that way you don't get into groupthink and run into yes men. And I think I half wonder if Nebuchadnezzar's holdout of the dream wasn't he was starting to feel like 
I got a bunch of idiot yes men that just sit here and play bobblehead with me all day. That's exactly what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so number one, always find a contrarian view and always consider the contrarian view. I think when you get into group think you get into very dangerous territory. Um, number two, find yourself trusted counsel. And don't be afraid to use the steps we talked about as a man where you put a pause on everything, think through it, go to your trusted counsel, and then finally, and most importantly, by the way, is go to God and seek real wisdom and real counsel from him to get the answer. And don't treat God like a Christmas list, by the way. <laughs> you know, he, he's not always going to give you exactly what you want. And, you know, it's the guy that, you know, prays for patience. Please, dear Lord, give me patience to give it to me now. <laughs> you know, you're not always going to get what you want right away from God. And be willing to accept those things that when he says no or wants to put a pause on, they can. So that's Pete, mine. Pete, uh, one, any pause? Yeah, one, yeah. one final oh, comment. Oh, oh, real, oh, oh, real quick, yeah, Kyle, real quick. Uh, folks, if y'all heard some hammering during the podcast, <laughs> Steve revealed to us that he's having a roof put on his house. And I was wondering if Kyle was over there hitting the desk with his knees the whole time. <laughs> so if you, if you heard a little bit of hammering or you heard some thumping, that was it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Kyle. Go ahead. I just wanted to inform everybody Steve was kind enough to reveal to us that there was some thumping. Revelation. Yeah. Um, you know, so to follow up on, on Robert there, I, I get a, a daily today's inspirational quote from inspirationaldaily.com. I'll give them even a little quick plug. Um, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're a little, you know, what in the world did you write? But uh, this comes from somebody most of us would know. Uh, if you know history, which I know this group definitely does. Um, so it was said, you have, you have to accept whatever comes. And the only important thing uh, that is that you meet it with courage and with the best you have to give, said by a wonderful person, Eleanor Roosevelt. And, uh, you know, you you do have to, and sometimes this is hard, is take the grit of life and, and still give it your best. And sometimes we tend to want to whine or not, do it or feel self-pity and I, I'm just as guilty as anyone and everyone else. I, I'm lumping myself right in with, with the thought process that sometimes it's easier not to give it 100%. Don't give 110 because that's not really possible. So just give 100. That'd be great. Um, Daniel, you know, as I thought about it tonight, was Daniel was able to witness to a foreign pagan king you know, and, and talk about his God and, and the, the him having the ability, the courage, I guess, was the word I was searching for, to do that knowing that he had just given an order to basically whack all the wise men. If you think you're smart, you're dead, you know. Or, you know, we're, we're going to uh, draw and quarter you or, you know, whatever. all these things were horrible. But yet he still had the courage to say, I believe in my God and my God has me here today standing in front of you. There's some beating on the desk for Mike, uh, you know, that I am here today. Because of where God has me. And God has me here to talk to this king. And he gave me the words to say. And he had the courage to get out there and do it. So I guess in in my thought process is we need to have the courage to witness, I think. Uh, I know we've talked about it in the past that that for several of us, that's just kind of a hard thing to do. You know, for some, it's, it's very simple. Um, but when you talk about witnessing about your God in this day and age, sometimes we're worried about what they're going to think. Are we going to offend them? Oh my gosh, it could happen. Just a couple other things. Uh, 
talking to Bill earlier today. He said, I'm going to miss being on the podcast, but tell him I have my flashers on and he's in the slow lane. So he's taking it easy. And uh, I, I do want to say thank you, Steve, for, you know, the Coonass shout out. I do wear that as a, a badge of honor for the Louisiana folks. And uh, I, I'm not truly sure how much sports I'll ever watch after this fun season. We've gotten a break. You don't have to go back. It's like smoking or drinking. You pass the 30 day mark, folks. You don't have to go back. Well, <laughs> I feel that way about social media right now. And, and, and yeah. speaking of social media, you can, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, feel free to leave a comment. Uh, feel free to follow us. You can learn more about us at our website, manupspiritualoasis.com. And all our podcasts are on SoundCloud. Uh, most of them are on Apple Podcasts. And you'll uh, generally find them wherever you find your podcasts. So uh, speaking for our great group and our convalescing director, Bill Cox, uh, this is Steve Titch saying good night for now. We'll see you next week on the Man Up podcast. You've been listening to Man Up. You want Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.